0: Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. so this morning with a morning interview i don't it's going to be evening time by the time you hear this. I've got an interview with Mike Parrott from restoring the Faith at CrusadeChannel.com. dot com we're going to be talking about one of the topics i've been I've been mentioning over the last couple of weeks talking about how The U.S. government and government on a whole is actually at war with you. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Santa Micael Arcangelo, defendinosa in Proelio, Contra necuitiamet insidias, the soprae istidium. Imperatilideus suppliques de precamor TUQUE princeps militae calestis satanam aliosque spiritus malignos, AD perditionem animarum, pervegantur in MUNDO divina virtute in infernum etrude. Amen. Cor Jesus sacratissimum, miserere nobis, mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Beatis carolus domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine ostende facentum et salvi erimus, ave maria purissima, Good morning, Mike. How are you doing this morning?
1: Hey, I'm happy to be with you. Thanks for the uh, invitation. It's been a while.
0: It has been. It has been. The um, what caught my attention so badly that I was like, I definitely need to get a hold of him now because I generally stay out of a lot of uh, a lot of the more common topics. I do talk about a lot of things how they all weave together. But as soon as you started talking like America has declared war on you, and that was the headline on on Crusade channel, I was just like, okay, let me listen to let me listen to what he's talking about. And as soon as you started reading that document, I was like, I have to get a hold of him there are with the document talking about economic warfare and the whole first page being an intro and aircraft, like literally talking about things in aviation maintenance. I was like, there are no there are not two people better qualified to talk about this whole thing. Um, Most certainly than you, because you've got the economics side of it really locked in, uh, especially with all the talk about usury. But when you started mentioning aircraft components, and I was just like, oh wow, they're going there with this.
1: Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So this, uh, this document that was sent over to me is, as, as you look at it, I mean, the first thing you have to do is look at it with a skeptical eye. And what it what it appears to be is, you know, it's typed up in like courier new font, um, obviously from a typewriter. You can see the sort of the, the markings that it was made on a typewriter and then and then um, supplemented with hand drawn um, drawings of electrical circuits and it bore the top secret markings that i've seen before having had a top secret security clearance myself and it said you know um no you know top secret uh no foreign um you know and and uh, controlled cryptographic information and um there w- there's not a date on the document so it's it's extremely difficult to place its vintage. Um to the best of my knowledge, it appears that it was written in the perhaps the late 40s or the early 1950s. And it was it was left on a copy machine at the Boeing company in Seattle, Washington. And that's how that you know somebody bought a used copy machine from Boeing which you know you you would imagine that a big company like that does technology refreshes every now and then, and so they sell old copy machines and buy new ones. <clears throat> and I don't know when this copy machine would have been sold, maybe in the eighties or so. so you have a you have a document that's a couple decades old being photocopied um, at Boeing and left in the machines that's That's the story of how this document came to us
0: that does raise a few questions because they wouldn't just, uh, I mean, if they made the photo, a photocopy of it, that means uh, depending on the age of the photocopier newer ones, keep, keep like you have most of those documents are kept in some kind of uh, memory bank, you know, to, because the new copy machines all have uh, CPUs. And I mean the copy machine at my job, I can pull, I can pull stuff up out of it, you know, from, at least a couple months back because our settings are set to where, we, to where we can recover that stuff. But if it was an older copy machine, I suppose you'd probably get away with it. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think you're right. I mean, look, I I, I probably didn't put as much of, of, of the vigor in trying to figure out the legitimacy of this thing, as I, as I should have. Once I started reading it, though, I realized this this is written in the style of sort of uh, government, um, bureaucratic, technocratic, uh, futuristic for the 1950s or 1960s. Um, you know, it it it's written in a way that is very fashion forward for back then and yeah. almost almost whimsical and some of the phrases that they use in the document are seem to check out you know so i don't know i don't know about the photocopier story i don't know about the boeing story i do know that the document is very obviously a scanned version of an old typewritten document uh, yeah. but i don't know but i don't know if any of the electrical circuitry in it is is correct you know when he talks about like capacitors and all that stuff that's beyond my skill sets <laughs> so um of them,
0: so, yeah. to get a hold of you because when you were doing the when you were going through um <laughs> you were so they put in basic electrical theory in there so what they were talking about they didn't get into the weeds by talking about coulombs and farads and all that stuff but they did but Everything that they were talking about the way they were correlating it was somebody who knew aerospace engineering
1: mm-hmm.
0: so the uh and at at a minimum had a very good understanding of basic electrical theory the uh, they actually got all of that spot on the um, <clears throat> as it, it was funny because it was one part you hit, and it was like in in the same way as uh <clears throat> in the same in the same way as a transducer. And I forgot the rest of what it was you were reading from there um, because I should have actually tried to get a tran- – like actually transcribed what you were talking about, at least in the electrical theory stuff. The, um, <clears throat> but what the the equipment and the components that we're talking about matched. So it was definitely somebody – it was definitely written by somebody who had experience doing aerospace and electrical engineering and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The, um, so I can definitely validate that part. The the language of it kind of reminded me of um, Albert Pike's Morals and Dogma in the early part, the, like in the early part of the uh, uh, for the Morals and Dogma for Freemasons. Because I have a cop, I have an, uh, a mid 1800s copy of that book. The um, <clears throat> in what it was talking about on how to when in its descriptions, it got a little bit more florid. It got it was very much. Keen in there and the document does in the same Way that the morals and dogma does where it starts off With these lofty ideals and then just Descends into this venomous Language about well In morals and dogma About the catholic church but In the um but the way It did in the document where it was talking about people as Um largely Useless if they weren't going to you know Engage their brains and all that just very Like it was keyed in a lot Of things that were fabian socialism That were um and a lot of the just inhuman regard for humanity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, I, you know, it's funny. I I, I kind of had the same realization as I got to the end of the document on day three, took me three, three days to read it, um, on the crusade channel. And what I noticed is that the language really sharpened towards the end and became very, uh, very hateful. And, um, you know, these people really despise common common man. And that was exactly the same comparison that I noted as well. Because um, I, I I once reviewed a um eighteenth century copy of the Scottish Rite. And it's very lofty language and flowery and and whimsical uh for the most part in the first portion of the book when it talks about um you know uh the 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 light and the brotherhood and everyone is seeking this light but then towards the end it 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 really does become very sinister and it basically kind of admits that this light that they've been talking about for the whole book is lucifer so um i was very surprised that at the the last the final paragraphs of of this hidden war the secret weapons um it went from sort of cold, calculated nineteen sixties style technocratic um futuristic language to really sinister dark um, hateful type of language for the common man and um and the Catholic Church too
0: yeah it's very uh <laughs> the the with a lot of the other documents uh, that I've that I've been looking at, and, uh, I had so I I did a little bit of uh, interviewing with Charles Fraun, uh, the author of Slaying Dragons um, and. One of them specifically, actually, because um, it, and I say interviewing, I didn't conduct the interview he did, because um, I am actually a former occultist, like I had done all of that stuff um, and the parallels have to be like, they absolutely have to be drawn. Everything, everything that comes out in the news, everything that we're generally talking about, um, you know, you on the crusade general, me, me on, uh, radio free Catholic is it specifically has to do with the fact that nothing is in a vacuum. Um, a lot of, I think it's one of the mistakes that a lot of people make when we're talking about all these news stories is We look at a thing and then we comment, obviously, on, you know, typically, well, most of the news stories, the intrinsic evils of what's going on during the day, like during that particular event. But there's also the fact that it doesn't ever happen in a vacuum. There are always other things that are contributing to it. The um, I think. uh, One of the biggest mistakes I think we make is. When we talk about things like the military industrial complex, everybody thinks of it as a conspiracy, but they don't like, they're not connecting that the word military, the phrase military industrial uh, complex is the military's objectives, industry's objectives, and the complex when the two of them start to get together, because they're both kind of headed in the same direction, but they're not, you know, sitting in a, they're not typically sitting in boardrooms twiddling. You know, twirling their mustaches, talking about, "Hey, yeah, we should do this because this would be really whatever." They're making arrangements that they believe are beneficial, mutually beneficial for their own ends. It's not, you know, it's not them going, "Okay, how can we take over the world?" It's, "I'm doing these things because these are for my benefit, and I'm not taking into regard anything else." So. Military is doing its thing. Industry is doing its thing. Politicians are doing their thing. They're not, you know, coming up, you know, I mean, with the exception of, you know, the Klaus Schwab's and the George Soros's of the world, there really aren't that many people who are like, hey, we can coordinate all of these things, you know, for world domination or in order to build a new world order. It's most people, most of the people involved are haplessly moving towards something, towards Whatever it is that's in that they think is in their best interest, that's actually where you run into the issue. So it's like, oh, nobody's conspiring about this, that, and the other. Well, how many times have we seen? Well, you two are working together on this. And you guys are working together on that. The World Economic Forum's doing this. I mean, <clears throat> most. I wish there was a way that we could bring it more radically to people to make them understand it's not, indiv- like, it's not a bunch of people in boardrooms. It's a um, getting together, figuring out how to take over the world. It's a bunch of people in boardrooms trying to make more money or get more or get more influence or get more power, whatever it is their objective is. Um, I do love the way you've approached you know your your uh, your broadcast on Crusade Channel because you do actually tie some of that in, but it worries me sometimes that they think we're being hyperbolic about our speech when we're defining something that most people don't contemplate. Uh, there should have been a question in there uh, how would you basically uh, respond to that
1: well i no, i mean i I think you're right that um that the the global conspiracy to enslave humanity is not exactly a a, a uh, centrally controlled and perfectly orchestrated. the word conspiracy from the Latin conspirare means to breathe together, to breathe the same air. And I generally think that the various enemies of the church, be they Freemasons or Jews or whatever, um, are all sort of happy with various constituencies opposing the church and rowing in the correct direction, even if it's not in a straight line. So What you said about, you know, you might have the Raytheon boardroom acting in the best interest of Raytheon and they may not even be aware that they're working towards the New World Order or the enslavement of humanity and that's perfectly okay for the architects of the war because the less people who know about the the whole purpose of it all the better, you know. So they, so I, I think it is entirely possible, plausible, if not likely, that the number of people who are actively working on the enslavement of humanity is really of uh, a small number of people. So I, so in, in other words, in, uh, the, the the best way to say that would be to say I agree with you. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, yeah, that's that. Uh, yeah, it, it's. It's funny because the when you were going into the economic stuff, and I'm listening to it, and finances and economics, that's that's not my wheelhouse. The uh, my wheelhouse has to do with gears and hydraulic systems, electrical systems. That's that's generally where I uh, where I'm at. And then obviously because I also was an infantryman and and uh, interrogator and uh, human intelligence collector and all that, like those parts. How they fit in um, or basically it's how I translate between the two where where the mechanisms that are that that correspond where one thing influences the next thing or one thing moves like one component moves the next component that actually has to do with how i do how I do my analysis when you get into the financial stuff, I actually basically gotta gotta kind of ride along the um the economic stuff I thought was remarkable. Because they're not because in the document, they weren't really talking, you know, the specifics of interest rates and things like that. But they were talking about the uses of usury as a weapon. Um, directed at not just usury, but you're talking usury and propaganda specifically, both of those two things, how those two things come together. Um, I would like to get your take on basically kind of the synopsis of what it was they were going at, because I don't think a lot of people understand the nuance that goes in it, um, or even like the broad strokes, because everybody knows you shouldn't charge interest, you shouldn't be doing like, we understand the concept, basically, of usury, um, but even most Catholics don't have, can't really get too much in the weeds, but I don't think they really understand how it's a weapon. Um, How would it, how would you explain that?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I thought it was interesting that they that the the comparison to electrical theory and and circuitry was pretty one for one insofar so far as they viewed human beings as like um, a store of energy, um, the flow of money in between human beings as being you know like the transfer of energy, and being able to constrain that flow of energy. Um, or put uh, parameters on it, or ohms or resistance or whatever, right um, you know viewing just 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 reducing the the magnificence and splendor of eternal souls down to what our government refers to us as today consumers um, and 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 then stressing the system um, intentionally in order to create. A sense of in, impermanence and um, dependency. So stress the system by reducing supply of oil or supply of meat or supply of you know whatever thing, right? Like with COVID, there was suddenly no toilet paper. I mean that had nothing to do with COVID, and yet it very much psychologically contributed to the fear that people had. So you take away a basic necessity. And it could be a total non sequitur too. It, ha- it, may, it may not relate in any way whatsoever to the matter at hand, but it amplifies the level of control that the you know architects of all of this have over us. So, um, and they were, and it was the document was very clear that this is a secret weapon. It's a ghost war. Um, it is a. It is. There is a declared war on all of us with the stated purpose of controlling all of us. And so with respect to the economy, to your question, um, fractional reserve lending, usury, um, fiat currency, and really just the, the sort of the, the bankster life, let's say, is an integral, if not maybe the central component of the overall strategy. Now they talked about poisoning our food and they talked about, you know, darkening our intellects with really substandard education and, um, and distracting us with, you know, stupid, uh, uh, media and, and, and whatever else. But the main weapon system that they have is, is
0: money. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, and they, so one of the things that actually, kind of proves to me the, uh, the vintage of the document was the way, uh, the way they were talking about, you mentioned the education system. Um, it would, would have definitely been somewhere right around the inception of the department of education. Um, so it would have been like probably mid to late sixties. Best guess, because you because you mentioned it probably, you know, like the 50s and 60s, that sort of futurist terminology, um, it would have been right around the, the inception of the Department of Education, because when you look at the education system, prior to the 1950s, anyone who graduated secondary school, what we would now call high school, was typically um, could read and write in English, obviously, in, in American English um, at that time versus today. Uh, But also Hebrew, Latin and Greek, they would have actually been uh, like that was part of the the secondary school education. So a high schooler would have been able to read Cato without without actually worrying about a translation. They would have understood the words because they would have been able it would have been easily uh, readable to them. After that, I mean, the city of Baltimore, they can't even pass basic English. Like it's over the last 60 years you can see an obvious decline
1: yeah well and and even um and you're right about that you're you're exactly right we've we've lost classical education in this country um 150 years ago the high school educated student in this country would have been able to read the iliad and now no one even knows what it is let alone who the characters are and what the meaning of it is. So the the Western canon has been destroyed. In Baltimore, you know, English is racist because rules like grammar rules are uh, an invention, Uh, just like gender rules are an invention. Everything is an invention now and everything's open for um, debate. But when you think about um, liberal education, uh, classical education, the quadrivium, uh, the you know the basic four subjects, and the trivium, so the seven subjects of the liberal arts. It has to be taught in a certain order, and the importance of language and linguistics, syntax and grammar, is paramount, because when the grade school student learns, first he learns spelling. He learns that there is a proper And only one right answer for how to spell a word. And then he learns grammar, which is the placement of the words in the sentences. And spelling and grammar are foundational to logic. And logic is foundational to rhetoric. And this is why we don't have statesmen anymore um, in the USSA, um, the, (laughs) the land of usury, sodomy, and abortion, Um, we don't have statesmen here because we don't have anyone who can apply any of the tools of rhetoric because nobody is logical because nobody has learned grammar and spelling. And it's even worse now with our technology, because I hate to say this, Caleb, but I am not a very good speller. I think I'm pretty good with grammar, um, especially in, in written English. Um, All of us make spoken faux pas because speaking correctly uh, these days is difficult, but uh, because, well, I mean, we're surrounded by people who have reduced uh, the language to just
0: gibberish almost. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, we're, we're like barbarians and we are with, with the advent of Twitter and Facebook and all these things too. We are also devolving to a culture of, um, of oral tradition, we no longer even bother to write things down. Um, we just storytell, and so uh, we the liberal education, little L, uh, the one the the, the good one. Uh, yeah. The, the, we we don't have that at all whatsoever. You're right. You're a hundred percent right. The de- the the Department of Education was was. Uh, a huge part of the destruction of the education infrastructure of these united states and when you get to the point where inner city black students are functionally illiterate um, you have achieved the goals of what this document lays out i mean it explicitly says that we want people to be dumb and controllable and dependent on um on the government i mean it it uses the word dependence dependency in the document one or two or three times and this is a stated goal of the 1960s it's come into fruition 80 years later we're, we're living in those times now where the the only safe jobs that are out there really safe good benefits hard to fire you are working for the government,
0: yep, yep very much so the uh it's actually caused an extreme problem in my industry uh, because you have to be able to you must be able to read and write in English properly in order to do in order to do the job We have a requirement to to record everything that we do every every component that we change out on an aircraft has to be documented properly and it has to be b- documented in a way that could be understood um, in a courtroom the <clears throat> and it's been a tremendously difficult time i mean th- a lot of the basic calculations for uh like we have guys who it's it's funny in our in our avionics department, our guys are not the best spellers. They're not the best readers and writers, but they're but they're excellent at mathematics, and they have to be because you have to be able you have to be able to you know pull resistances and when you when you're you're shooting wires for uh, continuity and all that like you have to be able to determine whether or not the component is functioning the way it is, and there's a lot of mathematics involved. But they're not in any in any real sense actually good at documenting. What it is that they've done the uh, simultaneously, like I've got a lot of, you know, the basic mechanics who were, you mm-hmm. know, change hydraulic components and stuff like that. And they run into difficulties whenever they have to run, you know, whenever they have to run numbers, the, um, and this is, this is not true for all of the guys who were in the industry 10, 20, 30 years. It is true for all of the guys who are trying to come into the industry. It's a tremendously difficult industry to be in. Um, and it's, a and it's, uh, it's for, because of what most people are coming from, it's an extremely difficult trial just to become competent in their area of focus. It, it, it's been really remarkable to me because the, like the education I received 20 years ago, you know, when I, when I was coming out of high school, um, in the late nineties is completely different from the education that people are coming out with any time in the, in the 21st century from basically 2000 on, um, it like, it's not even close and it's not a matter of easiness. I mean, you, you don't go into a field like aviation maintenance, unless you want to do the work, but it's becoming more and more true that, um, they can't. And so now that I'm at a management level, I'm looking at it and I'm going, okay, well, I need to build the systems. And put systems in place where all they have to do is just kind of follow step, follow along step by step. And if they do that, then we'll be able to push the aircraft out, and we'll be able to make the money, and I'll be able to pay the paychecks. Um, it's it's a completely um, a terrible, terrible system the way th- the way things have actually come out. And it becomes most obvious in in the real uh, in the uh, not the real, but in the hard fields, in the fields that actually have to do with componentry and th- and things like that. It's, it's very, very difficult um, buttoning it all up so that people can still get, so that we can still maintain the systems that actually keep us, you know, keep us in this current um, technological era. It, I'd say in another 20 years, we're going to be in the stone age because nobody's going to know how to do stuff.
1: Yeah, in, in my business, which is far less technical, than yours i'm seeing the same thing i mean i i own a I I have a couple um locally owned small businesses that are that are mine that are in the home services industry so think painting drywall remodeling plumbing and outside of traditional catholics and or outside of country bumpkins Nobody knows how to do anything anymore. We're we're in a house right now, and the and the customer is a basketball coach for one of the universities. And he's a younger guy. He's a great guy. I love him. Actually, he's he's just um, very friendly and amiable, and we get along fine. We're just doing some basic stuff in his house, and he regards my my colleagues and my crews as some kind of like uh, uh, construction wizards, you know, like, like they're performing black magic in his house to pull out carpet and put down, you know, luxury vinyl flooring, um, or to, you know, add a chair rail to a room and do a two tone paint on it. I mean, this is stuff that in times past, we wouldn't necessarily hire out. Now I understand not everyone can drywall, and, you know, not everyone can do trim carpentry or whatever or remediate mold or uh, and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, we ought to we, we've got to the point now where people don't even own a screwdriver. And you may be very good at your job and, and very technical and all that. But this is part of the this is a symptom of a larger problem with with corporate America, where corporate. Entities take on a life of their own. I've been thinking about this and doing some preliminary research into it, and this will be my next big thing that I talk about um, that that kind of goes hand in hand and bolts on with usury so here it is debuting uh with you um for the first time. It seems that after the American Civil War, which was the end of the republic um, we we began this belief this crusade that uh uh, of inventing corporate personhood and corporate personhood was not a thing that really existed before that but we attributed all of the uh, all of the attributes of human life to a a piece of paper so a corporation is born it has a birth certificate it has parents um and uh, but unlike human life it has eternal life it is considered to be a going concern it goes on and on forever and it passes from one shareholder to the other and it is not pronounced dead until it is murdered by its board of directors and pronounced dead and initially and and officially killed um this corporate person can own property it can um it 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 has all the rights of of human beings And all of the protections, it has free speech, and it can wield power. Um, The only thing it cannot do presently is it can't cast votes, uh, political votes, but it can surely cast uh, uh, economic votes and apply political pressure. And with the invention of the corporate person, and this is different from a charter, you know, the British had charters corporate charters um, and those would be limited purpose or special purpose entities you know like the uh, the the railroad company or the, the the tea company or whatever the east india company would be a perfect example of that but the corporate personhood we really took it to the next level and as a result of these things lasting forever they inevitably just get bigger and bigger And as they grow, they become more powerful, and the snowball effect takes place. And now you have these corporate giants. The Fortune 500 owns everything. Imagine 500 boards of directors that control everything, and the members of those boards of directors are less diverse than you would think. They're all BlackRock and whatever else, Vanguard. And so you get to the point where through corporate personhood, there's been a usurpation of ownership of things productive things assets and materials and and skill sets and whatever else and but that has allowed people to to become Bo- extreme specialists like going back to the basketball coach
0: yeah he's not Bo- doing sorry before too much further i wanted to get into the um uh, there is a distinction that i don't think a lot of people will understand with corporate charters versus the corporate person um the corporate charter in the British Empire, was always in service to the crown. So the East India Trading Company, while it was effectively an immortal thing, um, it could immediately be killed by the king, it, the because it operated in service to the king. Um, the corporate personhood that we have in the United States is a relatively new invention. Um, corporations were not allowed to exist s- beyond seventy years after the death of the founder, up until the 1900s. So Uh, For example, if we were still operating under the rules that we had in the 19th century versus the 20th century, um, Ford Motor Company would no longer exist because Henry Ford, the founder, um, died. They had 70 and they would have had 70 years after that. And then they and then the company would have had to shut down Mm -hmm. or or be absorbed by somebody else. So and, and that's why it's extremely it's really kind of important to understand the difference between what you were describing in modern American corporations versus the corporate charter from the old British system.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's a great distinction. Um, and sometimes I just, I, I skip these things because I've, I've just have become so familiar with them. And and so that's, that's a great distinction. Just bringing it back to, um, why the, the, the problem with the specialist is that now you have somebody who doesn't know where his food comes from, doesn't know how how his house came to be, doesn't know how to maintain a car. And this is not an indictment on him. None of us know how to do any of these things, right? And so we've gone from widespread ownership of productive things to extremely uh, central ownership of productive things with everyone being a specialist in the cog in the wheel. And so you get the basketball coach—not to pick on him, not to pick on basketball, which I could um, easily—but um, where you know he, he he can barely tie his shoe. He can coach a team and they maybe win some games, and he can recruit young men, and he's really good at that. But every single other aspect of his life is mysterious and scary to him. And I think that the I think that it is designed to be mysterious and scary to us so that we become dependent upon somebody else to do the things that
0: we need. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, doing to the individual what we've done to the markets. You know, we no longer, we no longer, well, I mean, we do still to some degree get our metal ores and stuff like that. But I mean, you know, most of the lithium mining is done outside of the United States for, for, you know, the electric batteries that everybody seems to want, but really is just coming from the upper echelons of morons. The, um, <clears throat> you know, and they end up having to ship those materials around the world because this country does this piece, another country does another piece. Um, partial assembly happens over in this country, and then it it may come back to, in at least with regards to these United States, it might come back to a factory that'll do the final assembly you know, somewhere, somewhere in within the fifty states, the the same thing is happening to people, and that the basketball coach. And this is, I, I would say, um, my only condemnation towards sports coaching at all has to do with the fact that it's going to coaching and it's not being applied in one of the means of production. Because coaches have some of the best leadership skills just bar none, because they they have the people aspect down. That's sports is all about the people. Um, you know, the, the, the player, the players and, you know, the teams, and I would almost regard, uh, coaching as kind of a waste of a very beautiful skill. If it could be applied to other, other technical fields, it would be amazing. It would be a powerhouse. I mean, huge amounts of agency with a skill, like being able to, uh, being able to coordinate and motivate people.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, (laughs) there's a lot of energy in sports. You know, you, you see the pictures of people watching the Kansas city chiefs out in the snow, uh, wearing blankets with four inches of snow on their bodies, screaming and hollering and yelling on a Sunday, um, for the Kansas city chiefs. If only those people had that amount of, um, exuberance and and energy for reestablishing Christendom or the, or the the Christ the King social order religion in general we would have a much different society so sports ball unfortunately for better or for worse is part of the American religion and or at or at a minimum if it's not a religious experience for people which it is for some it is certainly a Ready distraction against religiosity, um, and so in that way, it serves the purpose of our of our um, enslaving masters.
0: Yep, yeah. yep, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, did, there are people who will follow sports ball, but won't even, but won't take the energy and the time and the enthusiasm to make sure that their family is a cohesive unit, that their children are getting a proper education, that that their progeny will be able to take care of them. Um, you know, when they when they become old and decrepit and no longer, and, you know, and basically walking around like the POTUS, the um if they if they if they took some of that enthusiasm and and directed it to things that were real, you know, back into the family, back into the faith. Um I mean, Christendom. <laughs> Christendom probably they, they would not the the powers that be would not have been able to subvert Christendom as well as they had, um, if people would have been, if people would have taken all of that zeal and put it in the right directions.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Absolute. Yeah, I think you're right. <clears throat> it's an absolute travesty. The um, <laughs> and I I remember and. To a degree, because I mean, there's uh, when you're when you're dealing with stuff in like that, that there's not a small amount of uh, sports fandom that didn't remind me of my time in the Pentecostal church. So it's sort of 50 50 like it definitely has to be geared to the one true faith. Otherwise, there's just. You lose lose all sorts of control and 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 uh, have a tremendous incapacity to um follow anything of real virtue you know uh- partic- and when I say real virtue I'm actually specifically talking about the sixty four religious virtues the um it's it's not <clears throat> it's not niceness yeah yeah it, it's it's not niceness it's not and it's not just a bullleence like like you you gotta be there you gotta be there for the hard stuff the um uh, you know the the making things go day to day putting putting the food on the table getting to church you know rendering your tithe doing all of the things that are supposed to be uh and it's not the the worst part about it is because i I remember back in the 80s the or not 80s in the in the 80s through the 90s with the with the uh protestant revivals that were happening with the big mega churches you know those leaders manage to key in on something that is actually true and that if you do render unto God what is right you will receive the graces and the benefits it may not necessarily come back you know in kind in 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 the precise type that you that you render but you will always get the graces back hugely They, they just managed to key it in on money which is why um the second I would say probably one of the lar- one of the other largest money laundering industries was, you know, the mega church.
1: Hmm. All I can react to that is uh I agree.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the, it's actually one of the nice things It's one of the reasons why why I don't ever I rarely ever get to catch um your your time on the crusade channel when you're when you're live but i never miss it because it's one of those you're always going to be talking about something from an angle um that i may not be looking at but when as soon as i look at it i go oh yeah yeah no he's right about that that's uh (laughs) that's um let's see this is actually going to be one of the and probably end up being one of the shorter episodes because i can't i I don't actually have the time to drag this out as long as i'd love to especially uh to take time out to actually catch up and uh all that um i'm i'm here for a wedding and i've got to do some prep work i gotta get ready to go get a haircut and get fitted for the tux and everything the um and i'm probably going to do an episode just on weddings because I'm here to witness something that I, like, I know exactly how it's going to turn out and I'm not a fan, but we're also talking about one of my closest friends. I've known him for 20 years. Um, Mm. and like, and actually unlike most of, most of the rest of the, the men that I served with, this is not his third marriage. This is his first. So, well,
1: yeah, weddings are, uh, I'm going to a wedding soon too. I got, I got to drive all the way across the country to get there. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I know the feeling. Cause I drove, I drove down here from, uh, cause I'm in Colorado right now and I uh, drove down here from Montana and the new base of operations up there. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's quite a haul. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, if, if, uh, if you wanted my final thoughts on this document, I think first of all everyone should read it. I'll figure out a way to post it online or I'll I'll send it to you Caleb and you can get it out there. But
0: yeah. um that we put it on, on radiofreecatholic.com. So
1: the one thing that I would say that it does and why it's so useful and why I was so energetic in spending 3 days on it was that it gives words to the things that sometimes I think most of us don't have the words to describe we're living in this world where things seem controlled, contrived and engineered in a way to uh, to destroy our families or our our wealth, our property, our livelihoods and i think that the reason why the there are populist movements for bernie sanders or for donald trump or for whomever else and in, in Brazil and, and uh, Melody in, in Italy is because people are inside the matrix and they know it but they can't quite describe how they got there or how to find their way out. And there may be an opportunity in the future as more people wake up to this to give them a, uh, the, the way out. Um, and so what I'm hoping for is that there will be an emergence of truth tellers and possibly even some some political power behind um, you know people who are just willing to say the truth we we have a fake money fake science fake food fake education um you know fake weather fake earth fake pope fake everything i mean fake president uh, somebody who says look everything that you think that you know is probably not true but but instead of attacking people for being caught up in it or or deceived by it because all of us have been deceived in some way or another in some portion of it nobody's really impervious to it but somebody who yeah instead of picking people apart for it offers the alternative view which is here's the truth it's christ the king or satan here's the truth you know about about biology and about um uh, the, the evolution and about natural science and about so if we can if we can pull ourselves together and um and and um, and communicate to people exactly why they're feeling the way they are uh, that could be the the wake-up call that everybody needed but again i'm sort of naturally an optimist so um you know you're 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 probably hearing me and you're saying dude there's no chance of of a third great awakening like it's over just just wait for the asteroid you know and 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 i respect that point of view too (laughs) perfectly
0: (laughs) no honesty um i've i would i would I would probably describe my outlook as one of resignation. It's that I'm continuing, like I'm always hoping for that, for that glimmer, that spark that, that lights the fire of, of, you know, reawakening and getting everybody back on board. Um, However, I, you know, I spent the last couple of weeks and it's, and I spent about four days straight going through uh, the book of revelation and correlating it to things that are, and I say the book of revelation, because apocalypse doesn't roll off my tongue as easily. The um, <clears throat> But St. John's apocalypse and diving in and doing the correlation using um, some of the exposition and the comparisons that were given, that were handed to me by very, very knowledgeable good priests. Um, and then relaying, okay, this parallel to here, but basic, taking this meeting and, and kind of breaking that down. And it's, um, even as we're recording this, it's actually posting. Because uh, I've recorded like 12 episodes in advance before I even came out here, so it's it's posting, it's actually cy- cycling through um, the channel mm-hmm. and kind of breaking it down. And given all of the things that I've been able to line up that match, um, that have a correlation in the apocalypse, I came to two conclusions. One, we don't have a choice at this point; we're going to have to go through the hard stuff. Um, but two. St John's Apocalypse isn't isn't just a prediction for the end of times. I'm convinced that St that that the apostle St John actually just wrote the entirety of human history in 22 chapters. Like he just put the whole of human history and how the sequences of events go um and if you ever like hey it looks like this thing's coming to an end because I'm not I'm not convinced that the world's going to end in the next 10, 12 years, um, I suspect it, but I'm not convinced that Christ is gonna roll up the curtains of heaven and, and drop down the new Jerusalem. Like I'm, I'm not convinced that those things are gonna happen everywhere. But I do know that the war between God and Satan, between Christ and Antichrist in America, that's happening right now. And so while we don't have necessarily the Antichrist I don't honestly believe that America survives the next twelve years. Mm. I don't think we're going to next seven in all honesty the um
1: yeah. and
0: at least certainly not as the dominant global force that we've been for the last one hundred years, and certainly not as the economic power. um you know there'll be something left of us, and it's probably going to look very much like Venezuela or Argentina or Zimbabwe um, but we're but America is done the shining city on the hill was actually a burning mountain and that burning mountain is almost spent so yeah yeah
1: well i don't
0: disagree with that <clears throat> but i do hold out for people waking up because i do also believe it isn't actually too late to turn it around um you know but i'm resigned to the fact that it appears in my day-to-day interactions that there's not enough What they the war, the war that was that they inflicted on the American people has succeeded because the vast majority like we've been reduced in our age and people don't want to know more. And that's really the thing that's been more terrifying is the resistance that I get when I actually start laying things out. And it's like, well, you know this. And it's like, no, that's not. And it's like, well, but I believe and it's like, uh oh, all right, well, you have to come. You have to come unmoored from what you believe because right now you're too comfortable in that belief um and if you don't do that first i can't give you all of this information because it would be actually just throwing pearls before swine you're just going to trample them underfoot so and i'm not going to break a friendship when there's still a chance so Ooh, that was way more existential than I thought I was going to be. At the end of it.
1: <laughs> it was great. It was great. Um, and, and I don't know if you got my, my chat message or not, but I. Double booked myself for another thing that's going to start here in a minute. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you don't want to go much longer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, uh, yeah. It, it has been a, it has been a pleasure talking to you and being able to reconnect again. Um, I'm trying not to make it last so long. I don't do too many interviews on on Radio Free Catholic, um, but in general, I could probably flex my schedule around where I could show up other places because um, I do I do still get on regularly with Eric, um, but I will definitely be more in touch. The uh, it, it's been it, this this has been an absolute pleasure. I'm glad you came on.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Caleb. Let's um, let's not let too much time go by before the next one.
0: Um, shameless self-promotion before you go
1: um goodness well um the only thing i can say is that having been sidelined canceled hacked, doxed um by church militant if uh, anyone wants to help me retire some of the tens and tens of thousands of uh, legal bills that i have been coping with now for the last two years um if they wanted to go to givesandgocom dot slash defeat CMTV, as in defeat Church Militant TV. That'd be great. givesandgocom slash defeat CMTV. But otherwise, um, hey, just just pray for me, pray for my family, having a new baby soon, and um, yeah, pleasure Excellent.
0: to be on. Congratulations, I'm very glad to hear that. <clears throat> all right, well, with all that, we'll go ahead and tie it up, and you and you will be in my prayers as always. Um, I do remind, I would like to remind the audience. You know, we don't just pray for the church and pray for the nation, but pray for us in Catholic social media, because without them, we're liable to go off the rails. I mean, we've seen many of them go off the rails, so please pray for all of us. But pray for the family as they respect a new baby. And may God bless you and the Virgin protect you. This is Caleb the Mechanic at Radio Free Catholic, signing off.